the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. the demon dust podcast this is episode three of the demon dust podcast i'm travis bryant and i'm being joined by my co-host extraordinaire rich fan rich what's happening not much looking forward to chatting tonight indeed and we also are joined by a special guest good friend of the show his dark materials Fan extraordinaire, Eurek uh, Bjerninson, fangirl, um, uh, Cassie. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thank you. For- hey. <laughs> now, just real quick, just to get you familiarized uh, or get the audience familiarized with you. What is your? How were you introduced, and when uh, introduced to the uh, his dark material, his dark materials universe? So I was introduced to this series actually um, pretty late in the game when they made the 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 movie adaptation, okay. um, and only through all of the controversy surrounding it and that movie even being made in the first place. Um, I I really appreciated it then. I want to say I was. 18 or 19 at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the book series then had a different meaning to me um, coming from a family with like a like a catholic background and like in in a source of like my identity and religion Um, since rereading it lately um, before the series comes out I feel like it kind of takes on a whole new meaning in itself with like our political climate and our country and everything too um, so it's pretty solid I yeah I got I got into it pretty late but I fell in love with it pretty fast yeah it was similar with with me I didn't know about it till the movie I didn't even really mm-hmm. know about the controversy it was just something that always was on cable or you know, yeah HBO or something whenever it was you know f- Two, a year or two old when it's on you know on cable um, and I thought it was a cute movie yeah but it wasn't until I, I got into the to the books and, and the internet tells me that you know there was a big a big deal and you you kind of realize okay book two and three must be ridiculous because book one isn't because you're like what did the church have a problem with this for like okay the magisterium the gobblers they're the bad guys oh that's not out of too out of bounds like <laughs> the yeah. church or various churches or religions are bad guys in in not in in fiction all the time why is this and then you read subtle knife and amber especially amber spyglass and father gomez and his punk ass uh and then you realize like oh yeah the implications and just getting people to think differently it's like i i I guess i i could see why they were a little a little afraid of this becoming like a mainstream hit and not just some ya book that's just you know collects dust on a you know library shelf so yeah and and, I'm sorry but we've talked Rich I don't was it the movie that got you I should know this like offhand 
No, we talked about that in the first episode. It was the books. It was just we had been reading the Philip K. Dick books. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I had already – but how did you – originally, was that your original – like, did you even see the movie in – no, I remember I I watched that with you, like, on a simulcast. We basically set up a Skype call and was like, okay, we're both going to – we're going to – you're going to watch this movie, Rich, after reading the books – Right. And I want to hear your response. I need you. I need to hear in real time you reacting to this. You know what I thought was a cute movie, but it's 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 kind of an abomination. Uh, you know, to the books. Yeah. And that's right. So you are. Yes. That's that is. And it's all coming. Back yeah. To and it and it ties in perfectly with what happened with. I know some people are still reliving it, but sorry, the final season of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. with uh, Weiss and Benenoff because. What was, you know, it's kind of like pro wrestling where sometimes you hear stories and you're like, this is just a rumor. And then you hear from the horse's mouth directly. Yeah, that wasn't a rumor. This really happened. And then you're like, son of a, I knew it. Same thing happened here. I don't know if you saw last week during a Comic-Con, someone in Houston, I think, Weiss and Bienoff, uh were doing an impromptu like Q&A. And they just talked. In fact, Twitter's taken it as, you know, if you ever feel like you're not qualified for something, listen to what these two men talked about. As every step of the way, they're like, yeah, we didn't understand this in the book, so we cut it. Or we didn't know this had to do with this, so we cut it. And we didn't really want to do anything because this is our first job, and just, we just be off Just today. mediocrity. Just, mm-hmm. success, just gargantuan success because you're just a mediocre guy in the right place <laughs> At the right time, <laughs> with the right friends, I guess. Yeah. Right. And that's basically what happened when I looked at that movie compared to after we had read the book or after you had reread with me reading it the first time in the book. Mm-hmm. So seeing – it's very ironic to me that BBC and HBO have teamed up for this because HBO let this happen with Game of Thrones. And it seems like the care that they're bringing to the Dark Materials – in fact, in the background, I have uh, Watchmen on. They showed another preview for Dark Materials and – I was just like, yes, this, more of this, yeah, always this. Well, as I've as I've said, I think in the first episode, and I will remind and reiterate every time, it is a BBC production, financed a little and 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 distributed in America by HBO. Like HBO, like, go ahead, cast. Oh, I think the main difference too is that this is while like you still have like a book of dust and secret secret commonwealth um this is a finished trilogy it's not like they're having to wing it you know to come up with an ending so yeah like the concepts are are large and the overlying themes are pretty heavy it's still like a finished idea versus like the end of game of thrones being unfinished and incomplete but that was also an hbo owned yeah thing like mm-hmm. they had all the control like i tr- like if bbc had game of thrones and was just being distributed in the states by uh, hbo it would be a different a whole different thing so i my, my what i'm saying is i trust bbc not yeah to make bonehead boneheaded decisions and and philip pullman being right in the mix as far as everything he's he's there as a as a as a consultant as a as a go-to you know how can we does this work for you i don't i don't know if he has that much control but he's he's there and and he's more than thrilled with the finished product so i have no reason not to not to be confident that's for sure yeah 
but okay so now this is a mailbag and kind of loose ends uh, uh, episode um, so let's start with an email that we got a few weeks ago from our good pal Dr. Bruce that we didn't get to in episode two um, but Bruce asks um, what's the one scene or sequence from the Golden Compass book uh, that in your opinion cannot be messed up in any season in, in season one and why uh, for me it's Lyra at the orphanage and I think he means um, Balvanger Mm-hmm. Not the, it wasn't an orphanage. Uh, it was Lyra at Ballvanger through the end of that ordeal. And he says, parenthetically, trying to avoid spoilers. Uh, that's when I was really sucked into the story with the gripping writing from Pullman. Uh, and it screams like it was made for television. Side note, did not see Lynn manuel Miranda as Lee Scoresby, but he's great in everything, going back to playing Alvy on House. Uh, I'll be catching up on the episodes a day or two after they air, uh, so I'm sorry in advance for having dated questions moving forward. Oh no, that's uh, uh, I think a lot of people because of how it's being distributed. It's the UK is going to get it, you know, way first. What almost an entire day? How does the time work out? But we'll get it Monday. Like they, they get it hours. Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. we we'll get it Monday night. So. You'll just have to kind of try to avoid spoilers. I don't know what your UK Twitter's looking like. Well, your Twitter cast doesn't look like anything, but <laughs> cobwebs yeah. and, 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 and dust. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. I got um, a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, as far as, as his, his question, is there a scene or sequence or conversation, interaction between characters that they absolutely have to nail or or you know it's it's on shaky ground maybe from the beginning yeah so um my like go-to like i i think it gave me it gave me goosebumps i want to say in both the movie and the book um when they initially i'm going to try and go through it well it's not it's a plot point it's not a huge spoiler when they find billy costa and they notice, uh, yeah, and it's like a little like gripping. And I think Pan is the one that notices it, it first um, that he's been severed. Is that a spoiler? Is that a solid? Mm, a little bit. But is that is it is it? I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'm trying to like skirt it the best way I can. Sure. But just that it was so unnatural, you know, to any of those characters in that world that that was like a concept that a kid could have could be without his demon, and that like he's so like pale and like sickly now after he's been like severed and it was just like that was like a really gripping part for me and I think it gave me like goosebumps in the movie and reading it in the book where, where's, um, it, where's my retta dude literally I I think uh, I want to say in the movie too they like flubbed it a little bit like it the the impact is still there but I, I for some reason the I, I think I remember name was different they did, oh like, it was yeah, a lot of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah little weird things that was like why why'd they do I, that they didn't have to like do that now I'm like actively like mad that they <laughs> that they called the kid you know Sammy or something it's like no. I, well I thought that they switched Roger and Billy Costa actually you might in the right. movie that might be where I, and I and I think that's where the flub was yeah um, and then my second thing that we just have to bring all the justice to, and you said it yourself, I'm such a York fan. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, I feel like armored polar bears is just the coolest thing in the entire world to me when I like joined the 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 um, Northern Lights world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a as a as a character or as a uh, just as a as a concept, the 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 armored bears as a concept, they better come correct with kind of is that where you're getting it that too and then like i hope that they don't skimp on his like really cute guardianship contract with lyra like i just i really like i really hope that that's not like something that they like bypass and they kind of play into that relationship because i thought it was very like going back to game of thrones very like the hound and aria and and any thoughts on bruce's uh lynn manuel miranda lee scores we take Dude, I'm such a I'm such a Lin Manuel Miranda fan. Uh, I'm a big In the Heights. Like I'm a musical person, so I'm like an In the Heights fan. As a Hamilton fan, um, but I, as Lee Scoresby. I mean, you still as, was there. So, was there an so, initial like, ooh, is, okay, is this gonna work? There was because I've fallen out of love with him. I think in terms of his acting, um, I don't know. I I think he kind of got like this weird like like superstar fame status really fast and so like people were in a hurry to put him in everything and attach his name to everything um he wasn't he wasn't saying no (laughs) yeah so i have some i have some apprehension i do love him yeah uh honestly i never thought he was attractive before but that like 0.5 snippet of him as Lee Scoresby, uh, it's it's pretty it's nice, man. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm about it. I'll give him a I'll give him a shot. I have some mild apprehension, but I think he can do it. I I think uh, uh, I think Hester is going to carry a lot of the a lot of the uh, just as as the Lee Scoresby character. It's going to be. People are already super excited to to meet Hester, uh, his, yeah. his his demon. So, so I think as an actor, he's probably in a better position because of because of the world that the the, the thing takes place in, and you have this second uh, uh, personality that's that's still you, but not you. Um, so, uh, Rich, uh, is there what is there a scene or two that they got to get right for for season one? I would say, especially because people, you know, we've been trying to toe the line with not being spoilery. Mm-hmm. I would say some of the instruments uh, that they have to utilize throughout the series and how they're shown, I think, especially with the money they can spend and the way CG has progressed in the last few years, they have the ability to do it in a way that's going to make it look really good. When you say instruments, you mean the actual tools? or Yes. Particularly, you know, things like the lithiometer, for example. Sure. Well, so, I've already, I'm already loving the look of the lithiometer itself because it's still, you see it and you know what it is. Oh, see, I haven't seen. Oh man, you need seen. to see like the. Uh, big I don't want to see. I want. I want. I want to watch. What do you mean you don't want to see? Wanna it. see his, I want to see it. And have it revealed on screen. I get yeah, that. I want to <laughs> just like you know. There was a movie coming out in a few weeks called Knives Out, and the yeah. director of the movie has done a couple of other movies I like. And he went on Twitter and he's like, "Look, the production company, like the studio, made me make a second trailer." 
I can't yeah. tell you not to watch it, but don't watch it because <gasps> you should just watch wow. it all fresh. Because it's a murder oh, no. mystery. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I watched the second trailer. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I got really I couldn't look away. I was at the movies this weekend and Knives Out was the first trailer on there and I think I'm assuming that that was the second trailer. I maybe think no, I think there was one. Maybe that's like the standard one where you had one. Sassy Chris Evans at the end. Was oh, that, that corny line that they are t- way too happy about. It's it's I mean, it seems like it's meant to be a corny line, but it's like, ugh. So it was I saw not, the, yeah, yeah. I saw the original trailer, and I the the one that I saw in theaters this past weekend was definitely a different cut of clips. Mm. So I'm wondering if it was just like the theatrical trailer versus the one that I saw on YouTube initially. So right. I don't know. I think yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, there's a second one that's out that he that they released. The studio did kind of like what Star Wars did after they did it on Monday Night Football. That one he's saying avoid just because it's not that it's going to spoil per se, but there's certain things you need to see in the sequence. And it's not like Marvel or Disney where they will intentionally show you things out of sequence yeah. to make sure you don't understand well, what's going on. Studios have this. It seems like they have the Vince McMahon kind of, ah, they won't remember, kind of attitude. Oh, they do. And, they and, really and, do. And, and it's not, you know, where they just don't trust the intellect of of uh, of and the sophistication of their audience. And I think depending on the movie, they, you know, they... They, they might be right or they might be wrong but yeah but something like knives out i would trust because of the style of movie what type of movie it is i would trust that director or who yeah mm-hmm. that said it i would go up oh, okay not, not gonna watch it and um any thoughts on uh lin-manuel miranda as lee scoresby oh i was I, you know when we even before we started this show mm-hmm. uh I've been anyone that's been cast. I have been for it. Once I saw they took my girl and made her Mrs. Coulter, mm-hmm. that you know I I had total faith that everyone in me, even to the point where we argued about one of the characters. I'm surprised we haven't gotten an email out in terms of Lord Asriel. Um, but yeah, I have no problems with Len. Have you seen cast? Have you seen any of the stills that they put out a day or two ago? Um, I don't know. I think the just the regular trailer that they show before things uh, on HBO and then um, little snippets. I haven't seen any of that, but I have technology and I can pull it up. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was just about to send it to you, but yeah, if you're on it, just check it out. The one with with um, uh, McElvoy, what's his first name? Chuck James James McAvoy Chuck <laughs> Chuck McAvoy James McAvoy and I, I from the beginning I was like this isn't Lee Score or I'm sorry this isn't Lord Asriel I said in episode one if there was one character who I could carry over from the movies from the movie to the series it would be Daniel Craig to play and it probably wouldn't work you know 12 15 years later or whatever um, hasn't been that long yeah 12 years oh. later so it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, 07, sure. that movie came out. Um, so it, it really, but if you could freeze him, that take that Lord Azure, I would. Same 1A or a, a close second would be, would be uh, what's-his-face's Lee Scoresby. Uh, but since you can't do that, I, I just, you know, got to deal with it. But I saw the still shot, this, the, the promotional stuff they put out. One, Miss Ruth Wilson sitting there with her monkey, 
I assume on a, in, a, in a Zeppelin, looking so fine. I was like, and not even just fine, like, oh, she's a really good-looking woman. Just sweet and innocent. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to hate this woman? I know how I'm going to hate her, because she's a cesspool of moral filth. Uh, but... I saw, then I saw James McAvoy, and I was like, that is Lord Asriel. I said, <laughs> I said he was too young and not grizzled enough. They, I was like, they've done a good enough job with the wardrobe and the makeup and him, you know, whatever he needs to do as a performer and as, a, as, as an artist to get himself uh, as Lord Asriel. Every step of the way, I am, all my, like, any little like in little uh, kind of things I might have, they all are, you know, quelled in some way by either the trailer or something Pullman said in an interview, or something a showrunner said in an interview. Where I'm going every time, like, okay, I, I have faith, I trust them, I trust the casting, and and it was just kind of uh, uh, all came together with last night when I saw that. Uh, James McAvoy shot, and I sent it to Rich. Like, up, oh, I'll never call him great value, David Daniel Craig. Again. Oh no, <laughs> I'm digging him. I actually initially when they released the casting, I I thought I read it wrong, and I thought that Lin Manuel Miranda was going to be Lord Asriel, and I was like, what uh, in the world mm-hmm. kind of crap is that? I was like, so I was pretty mad at first. Then I saw the Lee Scoresby thing, and I was like, Bleh. I'll take it. Okay. Um, I'm I'm. You know, I dig James McAvoy. Um, I think he's proven his acting abilities enough in just between Split and Glass, um, and then as uh, as Professor X. I think I think he's he's up to it. The scene that's what I tried to say to Travis too, especially with Split, like Split yeah. and Glass, like those. He, oh, oh my God, but. I think seeing him is a, and also to having him gives that emotional weight to Ezreal because I think as much of a jerk as he can be you also need to have that heft of does he feel like he's doing the right thing in any moment yeah yeah my concern was can he get some bass in his voice and tell Lyra she you're being an insolent child and like shut her little, you know, really defiant self down because he's just had that air about him that, especially in the books that power that uh, at the end of uh, at the end of La Belle Sauvage when he's invoking scholastic scholarship and he's telling the master of Jordan look, (laughs) this is how it's going to be, here's this baby here's this compass you know, this is this is your your new reality, and I didn't know if he was going to be able to bring that authority. I still don't know. I have to watch him in action. But for, again, just from that promotional <laughs> shot, all the the visual aspects that I thought he wasn't going to be able to carry, being too young or not being grizzled enough, whatever that might mean to to, to you know <laughs> anyone hearing that. Um, uh, yeah, I was. I'm good now. I think if he can full pull a a full Patricia, he can find some grizzle. I think I I think he can. I think uh, him him digging deep and doing Patricia and Hedwig from Split. Mm-hmm. I he's got mm-hmm. it. Didn't he have like he thirteen can, personalities in that? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can find some some gusto. I'm pretty sure. 
he could he could wrestle some up. <laughs> also, um, what's the one that it that started that started it? Going with uh, Bruce Willis. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yeah, terrible movie. Fight me. <gasps> no, I will fight you. This let's is go. these are see, these see, are these are words. For... <laughs> meet, meet me on UT campus and we can box in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the grass. <laughs> I can't stand. I've got a. Um, no, I'm gonna pull uh, my husband in, and we're gonna we're gonna bring the Dudley Boys, the spirit of the Dudley <laughs> Boys, to this fight because we are about this. I will. I'm ready to 3D. I'm ready to throw down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, my scene it comes late in in book one uh, in season one, uh, uh, but it's the it's the fight. It's the uh, the polar bear fight. It's the oh, yeah. you know, to, to establish the king of the king of the ba- ice bears. Um, and in the book, no, I, the, I, I, now I'm getting that feeling. I'm getting goosebumps. I remember the first time I listened to him on audio, and I listened to the full cast. Now, the part that really gets me is just narrator stuff, so it wasn't like a... But it was the fight between Yorick and uh, U4 Ragnarsson that just... Yeah. Ooh, it makes I, again. I now I'm feeling what it felt like in 2012, sitting in my studio apartment in Philadelphia, listening to the culmination of that fight. And they gotta get that right because the movie it was well, one you're distracted 12 years later because it doesn't look, it doesn't hold up visually. It, you know whatever you know CGI technology. They, it was 2007. You just can't expect it to everything to hold up. You know, decade or so later. Did it not hold up? I felt like it still looked kind of good. It looks fine. The the actual them actual fighting, like Yurik oh, in the movie, looks fine when he's interacting, when he's talking and having conversation. But when those two tangle, it just looks like, like oh boy, they they they, they do this on like a Nintendo Switch. Like what's happening <laughs> here? Uh, and everything's white, and they're white, and they're in the tundra it's all everything's ice and they're fighting on a bed of snow and it's just it just it's not visually uh, uh, very very good um and i've said what i said about uh, lin-manuel miranda so yes th- thank you dr bruce for the email you are officially the first uh, the first ddust podcast uh, emailer so thank you uh continuing uh with the mailbag uh brian from phoenix who claims to be a 28-year Demon Does podcast subscriber, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm dubious. Um, and uh, Brian asks, hello, uh, I think my demon would be either a bobcat or a falcon. Hmm. Ooh. Real quick, we know uh, ours, mine is also a bobcat, but, and Rich is, a, is, a, is, a, is an owl. Do you, have you put in thought about what your demon would be, Cassie? You know, I have been asked that question so many times and I just, I can never like, I can't ever pick. Like, I feel like, you know, I would want something like really like badass, but I would come away with like a hedgehog or like a gopher or something. Like I would just, I, I, I feel it. I, you know, uh, I think just knowing what we, well, what we know, um, about the people who have demons as dogs, uh, being like the servants, I'm not super down with that, but I also really dig my corgis. So if I had to pick, I think I would get in line with the corgi thing. But it, if it got chosen for me, I'd be like, it'd be like a mosquito. It'd be something lame. It would be. I'm sure. I'm positive. Well, <laughs> even it's service people that are in some type of service. 
So butlers and maids, like uh, house servants, and also those. Remember this, the Muscovy soldiers all oh, yeah. had like German Shepherd demons or wolf dog demons, and also a lot of the cops in the secret Commonwealth uh, have dog demons. So it seems like people that are either in some kind of authority have like German shepherds or attack dogs or like dogs of yeah. of, of 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 might and like your your housekeepers and stuff they have like darling cocker yeah, spaniels yeah <laughs> help helpful dogs dogs that can retrieve things like it's it, it's them yeah. and especially in a society like Lyra's world that is very hierarchical hierarchical. You know, hierarchical. People yeah. got superior dogs. Yeah, I mean, you if you were if your mother's a kitchen servant, you're probably gonna be a you know maybe you can if you have some skill you'll be a carpenter or something. But you know, it's there's not a ton of the, the ceiling's very low. Your status where you're born is so knowing that it's like okay because because at first I was like how does all these p- people just have ser- uh, all the servants just have dogs like who says their personality was a servant well society did and that, yeah. and that yeah, yeah. Well, certainly okay um, okay so Brian asks one do you prefer the name Northern Lights or Golden Compass Rich do you have a preference uh, I, I don't mind either I, mean, I don't have a preference to be honest Cass I have always loved the name Northern Lights for the first book. However, fitting in better with Subtle Knife and Amber's Spyglass, I just, Golden Compass just, it just fits in there. Like it belongs in there. Um, but I do love the name Northern Lights for the first book. I think it's just like a little more like whimsical. Yes, but it doesn't fit the theme of an object. No, it doesn't. You know, that, that the story is somewhat focused around it. I mean, by the time you got to the Amber Spyglass, that was a C. The Spyglass itself was kind of a C or D storyline that ended yeah. up being super, super crucial, but it wasn't like the Alethiometer or Yeah. <laughs> uh, the subtle knife for the uninitiated. Um, yeah, it was just this thing Mary was kind of working on in the background that, you know, really can't be the, the thing that saved everybody but yeah it's, it's kind of almost like he was also just trying to fit in with his own theme he's like eh, we already got the first two let's just pick an object mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like well the subtle knife and and and, and the amber spot or i'm sorry and the golden compass are still in yeah you know yeah, book yeah. three they're still doing things and being used but yeah um i like i like golden compass because it fits um i always thought I, did, I never understood why the U.S. market got Golden Compass and everybody else got Northern Lights. It makes it seem like Americans were too stupid to know what. They gotta, we gotta really water it down. Yeah, like what's, what's a Northern up. Light? A bor- Aurora Borealis. Never heard of her. Like who, who's that? The dancer? At, you know, whatever. Chewies? No. So uh, yeah, Golden Compass is just it just fits. It is it's very it's simple. It's the theme of the book. Uh, number two from Brian. Uh, I'm going to Detroit this week, and I will watch the movie during the flight. Oh, see, I think he's see he did the thing. I always say watch the visual, watch the show or movie first. 
if, you, if you have the choice, if you you know, if the books come out and you read the books as soon as they come out, and then years later they, it's a show or movie, then you can't help yourself. But if they're all out at the same time, or if a book that you're interested in, like for instance, when Man in a High Castle came out in 2015, soon as the series, soon as the show, I I finished the season, season one, I went and read the book. Yeah. listen to the book uh, same with uh, childhoods and it just see it just gives me a better and I'm not doing that thing where you're watching the movie after read you know and you're like oh this sucks this sucks this sucks you can go back and do it but the first time I watch the thing I want to just give it it's all like pre- it's presented as a show I want to watch it unbiased even you know even bias that out three months later after I've read the thing will go oh this sucks and this sucks but I don't need that first experience um, shaded by shaded by you know the literature. So, so I'm really interested in uh, in, in, in Brian's uh, in his thoughts uh, on the movie. And number three from Brian, I audio booked Northern Lights, uh, Golden Compass, and I liked it. I plan on listening again. Should I try to get through the Subtle Knife and Amber Spyglass before the TV comes out? Uh, well, considering and to date this episode, it's uh, it's the 27th of, of October, 2019, so we're a week out from 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 his Dark Materials debuting on bbc in a week and a day out from it showing up on american tv um but i I think it's too late unless i mean you could but it's not necessary so i wouldn't rush yeah i mean i if if this is going to be anything like either game of thrones or i don't know if you guys were watching the american god series um yes um with american gods they have dragged one book into just an insane amount of episodes. So I feel like Subtle Knife and, and Amber Spyglass are just so far down the line in terms of like when will even be they'll even be airing. Well yes, well Subtle Knife has been wrapped, so everything yeah. is shot and and Amber Spyglass I think they are hoping to start shooting in the next six months. They did and this is good news for fans they did. They have seemingly come to the realization that the Amber Spyglass is either going to have to be two seasons, or the eight. Like they're just basically saying, there's no way we can fit the Amber Spyglass into eight episodes. Don't yeah. know if it's got to be sixteen, but it certainly has got to be more than eight. Probably more than ten. You know, twelve at the least. And but, even if but they BBC did like a, like a do six that. and six, right? Yeah. I was about to say BBC doesn't do that. Um, so if there's a, yeah, a six and six or, or I'll take an eight and eight, but, but, um, yes, because when you have the physical books, the, the, you can put them next to each other. You can stack the first two books on top of each other and they're just about as thick as the third. Yeah. Amber Spyglass is a gigantic book that has a ton of stuff in it. I don't even have like a separate three books i bought like a three book in one yeah so you were saying that and i was like man i don't even know at all like i was trying to think i bet you if you cut the book in half like if you just open up at what you think is the halfway point you'll probably be at the end of the amber spyglass or at the beginning of or at the end of the subtle knife or at the beginning of the amber spyglass yeah that's that's how it's gonna work 
so yeah, thanks and keep up the good work. Um, he specifically said rich, rich fan. So I, I don't know if that's just we're we're bringing we're okay, okay, Brian. I thought this was a clean slate. We were leaving <laughs> we were leaving our pro wrestling personas behind uh, uh, for this endeavor, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's looking forward from the future with his 28 years. So oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe it's down the road. Yeah, with <laughs> the books that we haven't even haven't even been <laughs> written yet, the, the Secret Commonwealth Three. You know, he's yeah. Um. All right. All right. Now, you know what? Just to switch it up a bit, we'll actually go to our first voicemail of uh, the episode and it is from our good friend Olga and uh, Australia so uh, let me go ahead and cue up that voicemail for a bit please leave your message after the tone press any key to end good morning Travis and Rich it's Olga Hughes calling from South Gippsland in Australia my question is about Mrs. Coulter uh, Nicole Kidman was fantastic, but she's a little understated, in my opinion. And Ruth Wilson has read a description of Mrs. Coulter being the mother of all evil and a cesspit of moral filth. And from the preview so far, it doesn't look like she's holding back at all. How do you think viewers are going to react to Mrs. Coulter, considering programs like Game of Thrones have toned down various characters in an attempt to preserve the sanctity of motherhood? All right. Now, uh, Rich, let's uh, start with you um, answering uh, Friday's uh, Friday's question. Do you think do you think Western audiences are going to react in 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 a way that would be negative to the series? Or you know, if they react like, oh, we hate this lady and we keep watching, that that's great. But do you think uh, Western audiences are ready for an unvarnished, unadulterated uh, 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 cesspool of moral filth uh, of Mrs. Coulter that, that Ruth Wilson seems to be going to bring in this role? I think so, and I think going to her point with the idea of mothering and kind of what we were all talking about as a group a little bit ago with regard to Game of Thrones, when you when you hear the DBs, are, uh, and that's their names, not my names for them, even though they kind of align, uh, talk about... Uh, <laughs> Oh my how they really took out key pieces throughout the whole series, not just the final season. One of the key pieces was, as she mentioned, Cersei and how horrible a person she was while still being a mother. You can, you can, we find this a lot. Why not both? You know, the little girl gift that everyone uses on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I think with Miss Coulter, we're going to see that. And I think, especially having Ruth Wilson, Ruth Wilson, especially like we've mentioned in episodes one and two, at least I've mentioned to you. And then now we can all talk as a, as a triangle here, triad, uh, her and Luther, she is a depraved individual. She does some wild stuff. Mm. And at no point is she apologetic for it. So if she's taking that and saying, Miss Coulter is going to be worse than that, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be fine. And I think, if anything, just like what's going on now with the Watchmen series on HBO, where people are saying that it's a little too much. Like, we didn't expect it to be. I thought I wanted Super. I think with uh, his Dark Materials, we're going to get the the best and worst of the characters in a way that some people may be uncomfortable with, but it'll make the story better. 
Cass? Yeah, so um, I I think with regards to Cersei too, there's just like that like love to hate her aspect. It's the same that you have like with like, I mean, granted he was a boy. It was the same with like Joffrey. You have that like one person that you cling on and that you love to hate. And I'm I'm actually looking forward to like loving to hate her, but at the same time, like stuff gets overshadowed when like. You, you can't you can't be like as a woman you can't be as like ruthless or as like a chaotic evil of a character because you're a mother or because mm-hmm. or or just because you're female and you have that like softer feminine aspect you know you can't reach your full villain potential but i don't think that that was true with cersei i i i while she was softened a little out of her love for her kids i i think that she was like every bit as ruthless and i i still felt like, dude, I still felt some hatred towards her, but it was like a thing that kept me going back um, when I was reading the books or kept me going back watching the show because I just want to see her outcome. Like, I want to see her fall. I want to see her do this, you know? So I, I don't think that it'll be like a, like a, like a turnoff for viewers. If anything, they'll just, that, that'll be their new Cersei Lannister. I'm hoping, or I don't, again, I'm not, it's not a hope. I'm pretty sure because, again, I trust them. I trust everybody involved. This is going, Mrs. Coulter in particular is going to be 10 years from now a character people are talking about uh, when the show is 10 years off the air. People are still going to be talking about um, her. Yeah. how she played that role so when you read the books you get you know the full development um, of Mrs. Cole even when they tried to redeem her at the end you know whatever you get the full but in the movie Nicole Kidman like Friday says she was she was okay but definitely understated when you get in the books they talk about how she made children feel and how she drew them in and like when I saw this promotional still shots and she's sitting in the Zeppelin with her monkey at her side I said that's what the movie didn't capture because Nicole Kidman was just elegant and like that kind of like kids are drawn to her because she's so pretty and she's wearing so you know nice clothes like the Mrs. Coulter in the book was sweet and en- and charming and enchanting just her voice and would you like some chocolate you know and the yeah. greedy you know or you know a uh, 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 kid on the street just not has no idea that his life is in absolute danger but he is like you know just eating a sandwich and his hot chocolate and just couldn't be happier he's just this what they call him uh not scourge um wretch wretch wretching yeah i forget what lyra had a word for him he's just you know some wretch on the street with you know whose parents are not really paying attention and he's running around uh and he's happy to get a hot drink and a sandwich from this pretty lady and and the movie did not did not bring that aspect. He's like nobody, no, no, ch- no, eight-year-old boy is going to be beyond. Oh, look at that nice-looking woman! Is going to be enchanted with the Nicole Kidman, Mrs. Coulter. Um, 
but I think I get the feeling with with uh, just by those pictures and just from the trailer that we're going to get that kind of duality, that kind of that that super soft, uh, uh, inviting, um, uh, feminine wiles, you know, but not in a, a grown up sexual way. I mean, because it's all with kids, obviously. And then we're going to get turn on the dime, psychopath, cesspool of moral filth, mother, <laughs> mother of, of evil kind of thing, and. Um, you know, really excited. Yeah. You know, but I, I while I do agree that she was like a little too like understated. I think that there's like a silent like uh, intensity to intensity. Is that a word? Did I just like make that work? Yeah, intensity. Oh, that's a, that's a word. <laughs> well, did I just I said it out loud and it didn't sound like a word anymore. Um, there's like that like silent intensity to Nicole Kidman that I I felt like. I, I was scared of her. I was scared of her monkey in that movie. Um, but I also think that she didn't get to live up to her full potential because we only ever saw Nicole Kidman in Golden Compass. Yeah. You didn't have, like, the rest of her her evil doings. You didn't have the rest of her, like, you know, her plan unfold. You just mm-hmm. had, like, the the bits that you saw in that. And the thing you just said about her monkey is what, I'm, what I mean about uh, Lee Scoresby with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, that demon is going to take a lot of the pressure off in different ways or, or yeah. take the pressure off add to the characters probably a better, yeah. better way because you don't have to be because that's the point of the having the demon you know that live that world is someone could be oh in the secret commonwealth they described how uh, Lyra was thinking about like people falling in love and how how it works, and then she starts thinking like, yeah, man, if two people can be intensely, you know, really enjoy each other's company, and their demons just don't get along, yeah. or their demons are really really into each other, but the people can't get past X, and 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 so I. The the dean I think the did the, the de- this is a show that's going to do it's gonna be like the Orville, where it's gonna have its core fan base and then the season's going to end and the downloads and streams are gonna be ridiculous. Yeah. Because people are gonna keep talking about it all through the summer and everything, you know, and, and their friends are gonna and then you're gonna really see the numbers tick up when season two is ready to debut in a year or two, whenever that that happens. Uh, this is going to be a slow burn show that which makes me thankful that they already have three seasons locked in and they have two seasons already shot. So they we're not going to be heartbroken when when they say, oh, yeah, it's just the ratings aren't there and we got to scrap this or that. Um, we, we can kind of relax our shoulders, take a breath that even if it's a slow start, ratings-wise, I don't mean story-wise, because we know the story. It's great from the beginning. I mean, literally, scene one, it's just, you know, go, go, go. Especially the way they, they're going to start it in this show. They're taking the last scene of LaBelle Sauvage cast and making that the opening scene of his Dark Materials. With, oh. With, and then you didn't... And, and it's, you, well, you'll get spoiled in a sense when you watch episode yeah. one. But there's it's a flood. Fair. There's a flood and there's baby Lyra and he's invoking uh, uh, Scholastic... Scholastic... Uh, Scholastic... 
um, scholarship or whatever it's called, and he does the Latin thing and he hands the baby over to Jordan College, and and so that's how his Dark Material starts, and then I, oh. I, I assume then they cut to you know eleven year old Lyra on the roof with Roger and the rest of her, you know, uh, wretched wretched urchin. That's what it is. Her rest of her urchin friends. Urchin. Yeah. So thank you, Olga. Appreciate the uh, voicemail. Um, I'll give all the contact information uh, at the end of the episode. So if you are uh, interested in dropping us a voicemail throughout the season, you can do that as well. And uh, all right, coming up on our last email for the episode, it's by uh, from Clay. Uh, Clay says, "Hey, loving the loving the pod so far." It's great to hear other big fans going on about this stuff. I have two questions. And that's so underrated. That's the one thing. I'm a, are you a podcast listener, Cassie? Yeah, I am. Like you have a ton of stuff you're subscribed to and all over the spectrum, I assume, like everybody yeah. listens to podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. the if, – if you're into – if you're into something, you can probably find a podcast of like-minded people. It's not even like, oh, I can find this chat room or this Facebook group. Like, no, you can hear people talk about your favorite show that none of your friends are talking about because it's this little obscure thing or this, you know, out-of-the-way kind of genre or niche thing that everybody's not into. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and the specialness of, of community. So I, I, I get you, Clay, and, and thank you. Uh, so Clay's first question is, uh, what do you think? What do you think of the decision to go deeper into the stories of characters like Mrs. Coulter and Lord Boreal? Um, it sounds like <laughs> the way you're, you're, you framed your question, Clay, you heard something that I didn't hear. Uh, is that a familiar thing that you guys have heard in the that they're going to go deeper with with characters? I haven't heard anything on it on on that, but you know when I find like a world or like like a either like a book series or like a movie series or whatever, um, I like to live in it for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, any more like insight into anybody that you can give me, I'll take. I'll take insight on Ratter. I'll take it like, just give me like, just give me like more, more bits um, that I could ingest. I wonder if he's saying, and maybe, and maybe he just didn't phrase it right. Maybe he phrased it absolutely right, and I'm and I'm taking it out of context. But maybe saying um, because it's a show, they have no choice but to go deeper, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not an hour and forty minute, you know, hour and a half movie that leaves a ton of stuff out. It's you know eight episodes a season and you know hour long episodes. You're going to have some time to to go deeper into the characters. I just like Lord Boreal. I'd I'd like some more backstory because in the book he's just a guy he's a thief and an old man yeah. and a collector and has no respect for other people's property and he drives a super quiet luxury car that electric luxury car um, that's something else I remember um, <laughs> so I'm not sure how deep you can get into Lord Boreal's character beyond he's a oh wait I'm mi- oh. Lord Boreal is way more than just some old man who was a thief Remember, uh, uh, he was yeah, he was very significant. 
Um, not yeah. to the to the story and how it turned out, but the things he could do <laughs> in the story. Oh God, I'm talking around. But now this isn't. Yeah. This is like subtle. <laughs> this is like subtle like knife a... stuff. Yeah. So yeah. to be fair, yeah, and... it's a year, two years away from ever being aired. Uh, Lord Boreal could go into other worlds. I, there, I said. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you said it. We've got it. It's out there. Right. Um, um, we had a deal. Like we made a deal. <laughs> we had a this deal. is like episode three, and right. you're like, by Screw the way, Just, yeah. for their mothers and Martha. Uh, there I said it. <laughs> That's it. He he altered the deal. He did. He did. did. And and uh, yes. Yeah, so they See, did mention time, during Ruth Wilson's interview outside of spoilery things they explore what she was doing outside of those plot points during the first book Yeah. Okay. so they do flesh her out now uh, before I get to the second question Cass have you read any of the like novellas um I've done uh Lyra's Oxford okay and that's it okay um what's the other one that I'm thinking of what is it like once upon something... a time in the north once upon a time in the north yeah yeah yeah, and yeah, yeah, then yeah the collectors which is a Mrs. Coulter centered <laughs> yeah Oh. Lyra's Oxford is absolutely necessary to read, especially after La Belle Sauvage and before The Secret Commonwealth. So keep that in mind in the coming months when you finally get into the Book of Dust trilogy, Cass. To revisit. To, to revisit um, Lyra's Oxford, specifically before the secret commonwealth because it was like october 1st i was just jones the book came out the second and i was just jonesing like oh my god come on why can't they just put the book out today so i was like you know what let me go listen to lyra's oxford it's a 42 minute audio book you know so it's probably it's that's like a chapter and a half yeah so i was i just listened to it real quick and i knew i was like this is going to have a lot of implications in this next book, and damn sure did. And I was like, I didn't get this book when I read it. It was just a cute little side story. Oh, and even at the beginning of this... Wait, no! At the beginning of Lyra's Oxford, Pullman goes, this is just a story about Lyra and the da-da-da-da. It may have connections to older stories. It may have connection to stories that hasn't been written yet. So he like tells you right there, you know, like this is. But he's like, but you know, you're gonna have to figure that out. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So so niche, So when it first came on, I was like, wait a second, is he? And yeah. And as I li- you know read through and listened through, um, it became clear that. This was stuff that, because she's 16 in that, and you know she's 20 in 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 uh, Secret Commonwealth. So you're like, okay, mm-hmm. some of this stuff might 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 come back. So, all right, on to Clay's second question. Uh, can you each give us a two to five word spoiler-free review slash reaction to the Secret Commonwealth? I know you can't go too deep. Uh, into that, but I want to know what you think so far. Now, obviously, this is a, a Rich and Trav question. Rich, uh, what? What? Unless you have, oh, I, do you have a two to five words, a spoiler oh, for yeah. of the Secret oh, Commonwealth? Yeah. My five words are: I haven't read it yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> tremendous. Uh, Rich, uh, let me. I'm. Hmm, I'm trying to say real pain for my fake friends. <laughs> um, Pan was right. Let's N- just, no, uh, no. Let's just no, leave, let's just no. leave it at that. 
No, wow. how about we know that's about... up there with Magneto was right, where you got you, you need context and you can't give it right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change mine to get imagination. <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, there's like a few people that have. I'm at twenty chapter twenty seven. Richard's at like twenty four. So there's some people yeah. that are you know in the middle of the book that or done that know exactly what we're talking about. And there's people lost like Cassie that. <laughs> or yeah. have some idea like wait a minute what do you mean shook it there shook it there <laughs> y'all y'all hear about it look at look at my twitter y'all will hear about yeah. it when i get there so <laughs> thank you clay for the email uh please do not hesitate to uh email us again throughout the season drop us a voicemail whatever you want to do uh speaking of twitter we can be reached at d dust podcast on twitter d dust podcast uh, at twitter twitter.com slash ddust podcast you can all also drop us an email at ddust podcast at gmail.com so it's all all lines up it's all pretty easy and you can also send us a voicemail at 415-787-5229 and um yeah, so that's all the contact information. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Contact us. We, we would like to be the most interactive His Dark Materials uh, uh, podcast out there. Um, we are always available 24-7. I'll wake up out of my sleep to return your tweet. Uh, <laughs> you know, Travis three, is, I'm not. Three in the morning. <laughs> so... Um, Thanks, Rich, for your time. Cassie, please. Yeah. Do you please have anything? Come back. I'm yeah, going to do the rest one. Please, please come back. back. Yes. Please yeah. come back. Absolutely. I will. I will. I will. Um, and do you I have anything to plug? Are you a SoundCloud rapper? Do you have like a, a link to drop? or? Yeah, anything? I'm actually a, an indie. No, I'm just joking. I, I don't have a SoundCloud. Um, no, I... Uh, I don't know. Just my Instagram, Miguel, because you already you have already established that I'm a ghost on Twitter. Well, um, make her yeah. come back to Twitter. Tweet at Cassie Explosion. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, tweet me, tweet me, and I I will try my best to tweet back. <laughs> um, but on Instagram, I'm always there. Same name, Cassie Explosion. All right, and that's uh, Cassie with a Y. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> this was fun. I, I hope it was fun for you, audience, and, and Rich and Cass. Um, I had a blast. Yeah, and, this is great. And I can't wait till next week. Um, like, like, like Rich and uh, we, Rich and I have decided we're you know wrestling guys. That's why how we know each other. Um, and we do you know pwtorch.com. You know we do a VIP show over there, and we are going to not watch the second hour of Raw on Monday because his dark material comes on at nine eight central, and um, those are some priorities. Yeah, I mean I've been doing a wrestling podcast and radio show for 10, eleven years now, so it's kind of a, you know basically a second job, first job in, in a lot of a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, Raw will not be being getting watched in its entirety for the next eight weeks so sorry vince and company Uh, oh no (laughs) well they should have a better product um (laughs) so awesome well thanks everybody for listening we'll uh we'll talk to y'all next week when uh we'll be able to review episode one of his dark materials on bbc hbo So, so until then 
That's Cass. That's Rich. I'm Trev. We are out. The Demon Dust Podcast is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, and is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network. <laughs>